Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. Welcome to the Sunset's Corner, Suzanne. How are you, my friend? It's been a while. Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm super excited to chat with you. This is the 50th podcast episode. Yay! We made this it. This is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. This Thank is, you. This is, it's been great watching you evolve and, and grow your podcast. It's been awesome. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I was uh, thinking about like doing like a fun 50th something, and then I was like, ah, I'm going to do something eventually and just invite the community that's been supporting of me and um, along the way. But then I was like, who's the one person I really want to talk to right now and celebrate with? And I thought of you. So thank you so much for the quick turnaround. (laughs) And and for those who don't know you yet, how about you just give us like a quick introduction about yourself, your experience and how amazing you are? I don't know about amazing, but... (laughs) I'm judging through with everyone else, right? Um, My name is Susan Wallace. Um, I have been in the programmatic space for the last probably 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I started off in traditional and developed myself throughout the digital landscape um, over 23 years of um, marketing and advertising. I've got probably, I'm I'm now skewing more towards agency side Mm -hmm. than I am client side, but I've had both sides of the the coin to, to view and experience from a marketing and advertising perspective. Um, and I will actually be starting at PhD on the 23rd, which is Monday, which is exciting as the senior director of media operations. So I'm super excited about that particular role. Um, I'll be rejoining the OMG family, which is where I've spent the majority of my career. Um, in between that, I've been able to do some consulting work and work at other companies, holding companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been eye opening and a very positive learning experience for me um, in, in the perspective of the different views. I've only had kind of one view of the programmatic mm-hmm. landscape. And so being able to see it from different perspectives has been really helpful for me. Um, I also have just started teaching uh, marketing classes at Johnson C. Smith University. So now I'm a professor and I'm trying to get used to being called Professor Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we will refer to you on this call then, Professor Wallace. Um, please don't, please don't. It, like, it, it sounds really official I'll, I'll turn to the Professor color Wallace. Of my shirt. I'll, I'll become pink. <laughs> That is so cool. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. Congratulations on your success. We're really excited about your teaching and then you're getting joining the OMD family again, um, which I think is a good sub segue into, um, into what we're going to talk about today, right? We I wanted to talk somebody that has experience like yourself working with agencies and then with brands about programmatic in-house, right? I was on the I was on the LinkedIn the other day and somebody um, shared this report that we'll make sure to add in the show notes. It's the 2020 International Report on Programmatic In-Housing. And it's like a 28-page report and it's telling us why agencies are going in-house, how it's affecting, I mean, uh, brands are going programmatic in-house and how it's affecting agency and why and the how, you know, all of the jazz. So we're going to cover some of those really important key points today. But I wanted to chat to you because I saw I saw it on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, is, is this, I know it's been a thing for a while, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, 
it's still a thing, you know, that that brands are thinking things uh, in house. And um, part of the re- in the report, it's we have to be honest. Like programmatic is is important first of all, right? A yeah. is according to this report, eighty five percent of um, the digital ad spend is programmatic. So, and it said that if I'm reading correctly here, it says that more than a fifth. 21% of organizations have completely moved this function of programmatic in-house and almost half, which represents 48%, have partially moved programmatic buying in-house. So t- tell us about your experience when you had to um, really walk a client through the positive of in-housing versus not in-housing, or just like your opinion, like your professional opinion, not so much of, hey, how, what, what to tell, tell a client, but based on your experience, how have you handled if the situation came up? I think we've, we've run across it in a couple of different situations where we're knowing that the client is wanting to move programmatic in-house. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about data and first-party data versus second and third-party data, the client owns that first-party data and they have to be able to utilize it um, a little bit better than maybe an agency can can leverage it. So that's part of the drive. That's what initially kind of gets the wheels turning of we need to probably in-house this is the data conversation. Um, but I think ultimately they're looking for the efficiencies. They're looking to find a way for them to control their data, They're for them to control um, their performance, for them to have that control. And it makes sense for them. I think the problem is, and what we as agencies become frustrated with, is a lot of the things that they want to answer are things that we've been asking them and they haven't been able to provide for us. So that's an interesting perspective um, because we're not a part of the company. So we don't necessarily get access to the full spectrum, even though we've, we've been asking for it. I think another element is just the talent, the actual expertise, the nuances of technology make bringing that in-house much more challenging than they anticipate. I think they think of a DSP and if they can just access that DSP and learn how to use it, everything kind of falls into place but it's really a much more holistic conversation. I think where agencies can find their sweet spot sweet spot in a brand looking to in-house is to still serve as a partner, a consultant, um, someone to help them navigate, someone mm-hmm. to, to help them figure out what's the best partner, how many partners should they be using, what, are, what makes this partner better than the other or not, <laughs> and, and how does it all kind of connect? I think... From a consulting standpoint, I think a lot of agencies will likely be consulting or the realistic aspect is that some of the clients won't be able to manage all of the different partners. And so they'll need the agency to still help them manage um, some of the other aspects and still have the the level of trust um, and partnership that they currently have with their agency. And I think those are areas where um, agencies have done well with a client that is in housing. They still maintain the relationship. They still are consultants. They're still mm-hmm. helping them through that process. They're helping them navigate. Um, I think what agency needs, what agencies need to figure out is how do how do you still get compensated for that? Mm-hmm. Um, that's still a challenge, right? Because it's not based on media spend anymore. It's now based on service and expertise. And I think that is an area that if they can start to master that, um, it'll shift, and agencies can still have those relationships with those brands and with new technology. The adaptability of a client um, and versus an agency is not the same. An agency is going to adapt a lot faster because you have multiple clients that are that are testing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, whereas on a brand side, you have one brand. It's not to say that they're not agile and able to do it. Um, it just it's harder because they're not just doing advertising. They're managing everything. They, they're they have right. much yeah. more breadth of what they're doing. And so yeah. as an advertiser, in at an agency perspective, I recognize they're not just doing advertising. They're doing everything. So I think that's a loaded answer to say there's still room for an agency to work with the brand. It's just going to shift how you would normally work with them into something a little different. Welcome to the Pergamatic Meetup. Yay! I'm so excited about this community that we're building. It's going to be a safe space for media buyers, ad ops, uh, programmatic ninjas, data analysts like you and I, you know, just to come up and talk about our day-to-day challenges in our direct roles, some of my, some of our wins and some of our um, opportunities to grow to educate ourselves. Some of the topic of discussion includes anything from optimization, best practice, QA, templating, workflow, um, operational workflow. I'll have guest appearance. I'm bringing my network to you. And the best part of it is that you'll have one-on-one questions with them. So excited about this, yo. I'm so hyped. Um, So what to expect in your membership, right? Um, You can expect one hour call every first and third Wednesday of the month. Access to all the recordings for the paid members within our community. Um, Discounted one-on-one consulting with me and some of the guests that will be gracing us with their presence and their appearance. Customizable trainings, but most importantly... (laughs) new best friends y'all i'm very excited about this opportunity this is a community for you and i this is a community for us to just join forces and really really share really just being able to be together in a community there's so much growth when you're in a community when you're able to relate to people or somebody understands where you're coming from um from from different perspective right so so join today programmatic meetup uh, community is open to you bring your friends Tell your friends to bring his friends, to bring her friends and his friends to meet up with us. Um, we respect you. We love you. We appreciate you. We're ready to like uh, support you. So make sure you join the programmatic meetup. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very excited about this. So thank you so much and see you soon. Yeah, that brings a good point. And I want to highlight um, this graph in the report about managing programmatic media and it says the intent to bring programmatic media in-house from a global view and that includes U.S., uh, European country, but it excludes the U.K. Mm-hmm. and then some of the Latin American this data are including and it says 21% is completely moved in-house and plan to continue. 48% partially moved in-house and plan to continue to partially move it in-house or plan to continue to move a total in-house, I'm not sure. 16% try to bring in-house, but outsource to partners. And 15% no plans to bring in-house. So I've worked in different situations where uh, for that agency, the brands needed a trading agency partner. So mm-hmm. it would be solely managing, I mean, uh, doing the buys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether that it's the DSP, it. um, I'm just spending your money in that DSP and implementing optimization for the results we discussed. And I've also had the full spectrum of things, right? Where the where the brand needed the agency I was working for to handle the full aspect of things, strategy, uh, the RFP process, uh, you know, uh, 
the vendor relationship, like literally they will forward uh, the, the emails, like this person reached out to me. Is that something we want to consider? TikTok reached out to me. Is that something we want to consider? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do agree with you. I do think that even if brand continues to bring things programmatically in-house, there's still a tremendous amount of opportunity for agencies. Um, and just like what you said, I think they just need to recalibrate how they're going to get paid, get this money, but also still bring a high enough value to that brand or to that client. And so mm-hmm. do you agree? Because like, as you scroll down the 20 some page, um, mm-hmm. it talks about how it talks about how, why, why a, they, uh, hold on. It talks about why some of those brand of considering, um, bringing in-house or have considered or already bringing in-house. And some of this include transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's just let's talk about transparency. What do you think? Why do you think transparency is the biggest thing apparently for brands? Like where's the miscommunication between the agency and for a brand to say, I'm bringing things in-house because I want to have control. I want to have more transparency over my media buying. Like, why do you think this is happening? I think a lot of it has, I, I think it's, I think it's less of an issue today as mm-hmm. it was maybe three or four years ago. So like mm-hmm. programmatic and transparency and programmatic being the black box that no really, no one really understands how it works. Um, isn't the same today as it was a few years ago. Yeah. Um, we agencies are offering transparency and they are getting the, the, the client to understand the power of, their data mm-hmm. and how it works and some of the optimization strategies. I think from a marketing perspective, when you get into that level, that transparency comes with technology um, or a, a tech aspect that most marketers aren't necessarily ready for. The, the merger of data analytics and marketing, like you either have kind of one or the other, that perfect blend is the programmatic space. So I think it is the conversations around being more transparent that makes the client want more transparency. Um, And I think the agency has introduced it because some of the partners Mm -hmm. have, um, not all, but some of them have tried to discredit the agency in order to get that business and try to expose Mm -hmm. some of the things that agencies were doing that maybe didn't offer the same transparency. Mm -hmm. So when agencies offered it up, we offered it in such a way that offered the strategy, that offered us a thought process to say, this is why we're doing this. Um, it wasn't that we were, um, you know, trying to get away with something. It's because okay. there's some technical aspects here. There's some things that um, the average advertiser um, or brand person may not necessarily click right off the bat. You have to be very data centric. You have to have a level of, of love for technology and the tech aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to have some strong conversations there. So I think um, the conversation has changed. The the transparency is not such a mystery anymore. And I think because agencies have had those conversations, mm-hmm. it's made them want more transparency. So it, in essence, we kind of kicked ourselves. Um, but at the same time, we're able to have those conversations on a much more strategic level, mm-hmm. which is what's causing the hybrid. Yeah. Um, it's not 100%. We're just going to take it in-house because yeah. there's so many aspects that go along with it. 
it's it's a mix. It's to say, okay, how how do I get that control but still maintain this expertise? These people have been in the agencies; they're inundated with it. They eat, drink, and sleep it all day long. And from a brand perspective, Literally. you're not in it that same kind of way. You know, you're like, okay, let me read an article, let yeah. me attend a conference. <laughs> you're getting snippets, yeah. and it, it makes sense. I don't, I don't think the expectation is that someone on the client side will be immersed in it. But those that are very curious about the data and want to get into the weeds are the ones that are pulling more in house or being very smart on how they're they're developing the hybrid model. That's a that's or a, not going into it at all because no, they realize yeah that's not gonna work for us. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great point. That's that's a great point because uh, it's a lot of work. So I so and this is a shameless plug. This is a great moment for this actually. But we're working on building like a community like a paid membership community a lower lower spectrum of course because i'm targeting individuals like buyers i've been in a situation where working even for an agencies with other programmatic buyers where there's absolutely no communication not really that teamwork uh, mindset and i've also worked with startup agencies where i was the only programmatic um buyer or programmatic senior buyer whatever you want to go and there was mm-hmm. no support around outside of the DSP, which mm-hmm. the DSP and I won't name them, but the DSP and that uh, that we were using have provided no support at all, you know, be- mm-hmm. for many reasons. Not um, and we had to spend, so you know, some spend, some DSP. You have to have a certain threshold to have your own rep, which I think is yeah. ridiculous. But mm-hmm. um, but we were beyond that threshold, basically. I'm trying to say. So I've had individual reach out to me asking for a course, asking for like, listen, I know you're training agency uh, departments, but you know, we we need support as well. So that community is going to provide that support. It's going to be a close community. I actually asked Instagram to help me name it, name it, and you hear it here first. It's uh, it might be named Reach and Frequency Community. I don't know yet. I just okay. like the don't do it. I think it's like a good if you're a buyer, you'll you'll shake your head like yeah, okay, I see, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. But um, but basically, a lot of those individuals that reached out to me are moving from agency to brand, and they are supposed to be the programmatic expert, expert. within the mm-hmm. brand, and then they realize that I work for this agency and I've managed. X amount of million of dollars a year, a quarter, whatever you name it, right? But I only optimize, set up, optimize, report, set up, optimize, report. Even with reporting was very limited, right? Because you have a data analytic mm-hmm. department in agencies. Mm-hmm. So now they're in a situation where they have to participate in a strategy, which is pre-sales. They have to maybe be more client-facing. You know, traditional uh, a buyer is not as client-facing as they should be or they want to be. Mm-hmm. And now they're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to do, right? Because that brand is bringing one expert in-house. And depending on your media budget or depending on your media um, strategy or media channel strategy, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle because you still ha- want to be able to make sure you allocated the right budget per channels, but also is this sightless working or is, I don't know, right. what are the optimization that we, is this audience segment working? But at the same time, we're looking at the overall pictures. And so I think that's where the agency op- opportunities lays. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I understand why brands are bringing in-house mm-hmm. because I've worked for some, some agencies, but at the same time, I've worked with agencies that are 
they know their their stuff and mm-hmm. they have their heart into their mission and you can you can feel it mm-hmm. every single members of that that team knows what they're doing and they're here to help the clients and they're as transparent as they can because sometimes mm-hmm. when a CPM goes from $2 to $17 you don't always need to know it's just happen ups and flow Mm-hmm. At the end of the week, we'll let you know if it's still persistent, right? But once in a while, it is. But of course, this is a specific example about transparency, of course. <laughs> There's a lot more happening when it comes to that topic. But, um, but Professor Wallace, I think that was a great conversation, a great starting point. And I do want to um, maybe ask you for some parting ways before we go into the closing segments. Like if there's an agency that, yo, two or three of the brands have been working, especially in 2020 have just separated in terms of like, we used to run their media. Now they're, they're having somebody else in the house run the media, or there's a new guy in town on the brand side that's trying to mm-hmm. regulate things on the agency side and the partner side. So what would be like a quick one to two things they should always remember and do in this situation? I think the data has to come first. I think when you're focused on what's driving the majority of these conversations is coming from the data. Mm. It's one thing to have the data. It's another thing that what do you do with it? <laughs> um, the, the one thing was, let's start tracking, um, which is where life without a cookie is, is coming from. But we have to track the data and then you got to figure out what to do with it. And that builds into the strat- strategy. It is a full circle component. Marketing is not pieces. It is a full puzzle. And I think being able to look at it from a full puzzle, holistic perspective, um, from a strategic as well as executional standpoint, um, one feeds into the other. So I think being able to understand the full workflow is key. Um, And understanding that the data is what's driving the message, the data is what's driving the placement, the data is what's driving the strategy. The core, the nucleus is the data. So if you are not data focused and you're, you're focused on a CPM, whether it's going up or down, but your performance is still doing well, yep. you're missing something. So I think those are the things that I would recommend brands and agencies continue to focus on. And like you said, there's some agencies that are awesome. And those are the ones that are going to continue the relationship. Yep. Um, and they're the ones that are going to be those added um, partnerships. And they just need to figure out how to, to monetize that. Mm-hmm. And then there are other agencies where they're executional, they're replaceable. Um, and so you bring that in-house. I think one of the other aspects is your talent. Your talent. Yeah. When you're at an agency, you're constantly inundated with information and you're kind of forcing yourself to learn something new and grow. When you're on the client side, that push isn't as strong. You yeah. have to pull, you have to go out, you have to seek it. You have to be aggressive about learning those trends and trying to implement them into the strategy. So that's a very strong difference between agency and client um, that will start to surface in their talent. But it's very appealing for someone from an agency to go to the client side and have a little bit more of a work-life balance mm-hmm. um, because agency life is crazy. But if you like it and <laughs> that's what you, that's what you're drawn to, <sighs> it can be very interesting making that adjustment. So it's really about what you focus on. I think it all comes back to the data for me. Um, because it drives so much of the conversation um, and the decisions. So I would say stay focused on that. It's changing all the time. So you have to find ways to be, um, to continue the, the education, to continue the, the way that you're learning and thinking about things and staying upon the trends, because that's also where agencies are very strong and can and still add value to different clients. 
No oh, man, that's a great way to end this this podcast because um there's there's a lot going on. And like you said, agency life is crazy. It's crazy. And they are pride they pride themselves but by this craziness, which I don't think is is a different level for me now. I'm not about <laughs> that life anymore. But <laughs> but I'm I love to work with them. I don't know. <laughs> right. I love to work with them. I work with all of my clients right now, our agencies, and I help them train their staffs on different levels, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, but they, thank you so much for joining us on our 50th episode. Before we hang up though, what is the what is like the like three things you do to practice self-care daily? The three things I do to practice self-care. Um, I work out. Okay. Um, I have definitely adapted that as self-care. Um, instead of viewing it as a chore and something to do with self-care. Um, equally, I try to do something that I enjoy, whatever that is. Um, if it's a cocktail, if it's just a good dinner, if it's my favorite show, um, I try to indulge myself in something that I enjoy. And then it's something just to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, spending time with family and conversations. Um, the pandemic has taught me that I need that and I enjoy that conversation with friends and family um, and being able to appreciate the little things of putting together a puzzle or just preparing a meal or going groceries, like really simple things, yeah. a walk in the park type of thing with family and friends. So as much as I need my alone time, I've recognized that I need time with others as well. And that's a, a huge component in keeping me um, in, in the right on the right track as as I deal with the craziness of every day. <laughs> oh, man, that's a great way to end this um, end this podcast. Families doing something you love and also, you know, physically taking care of yourself, which, and, and you know, it's working out. It's that simple as working out. It's that simple as walking a mile a day. And a mile is not a lot. It's like three blocks a mile. <laughs> it's like literally... It's literally three block. Well, it's not a lot to me. <laughs> it used to be it though. I got a lot. <laughs> it used to be a lot, but like I will take uh, the baby in the stroller. My husband will have the dog, and we'll walk. And then after, honestly, you don't realize you're walking a mile. You're like, oh, you have one one mile. Let's go home now. We made it. Exactly. Um, for those who don't have the dog, or those who don't have the baby stroller, like listen to a good podcast. This podcast is a good one to listen Absolutely. to. Absolutely. In 30 minutes, you can do Some, a mile. Something that brings you joy. Something exactly. that helps you learn. Yeah, something yeah. that brings you joy. I, I have a lot of friends and they're like, listen, I cannot listen to professional podcasts. All I listen to is murder, murder mystery podcast. And I'm like, good for you. I don't, I can't do it, but good for you. <laughs> it just we gets all me have stimulated in different ways, for sure. Right. <laughs> but um, thank you. Thank you again for coming. We're super excited about your success and your future. Professor Wallace will be back to let us know how her her classes have been going. If you have any, if you need any information uh, from Suzanne, we'll make sure to put in our show notes. And um, yeah, thank you so much for joining. This was this was awesome. Great. Congratulations! Happy fifty episodes! Yay! Awesome. <laughs> Feel free to grab today's conversation and show notes, including our guest information, on our website, programmaticdigest.com. Programmatic Digest.com. See you next week and stay curious, my friend.